Second Samuel 10 and First Chronicles 19 are practically identical. We'll be in both of those tonight. Defending the honor of Yahweh. The people of God at this point in time, the people of Yahweh, are well known to be the people of Yahweh. They are located in their land and they have a king who we've been told in scripture previous verses that at this point in time is the most esteemed king, at least in that part of the world. He carries the promise of the Christ and these are God's covenant people. As we have observed in the story of David up to this point, he has shown himself to be a very capable leader, an unbeatable warrior, and a benevolent king. He loves his people. He's done what is necessary after going to the Lord about it in behalf of his people. And the Lord has been on his side, has given him victory after victory. uh, And his record of success to this point has, has just been unmatched in the history of God's people. So here's an interesting, the reason this story is placed like it is here, this event, is because it sets a backdrop, a preface to the story of David and Bathsheba. So that when we get to that point in David's life, in the story of his life, we will understand why the setting is as it is presented in the scriptures. With all of that said, defending the honor of Yahweh, we'll look at 2 Samuel 10 and then I'll show you what 1 Chronicles 19 says uh, and you'll see that it's practically the same thing. So David's messengers whom he sends to a nation are humiliated and disgraced. Now let's talk about, before I get into the scripture, the importance of this. They have been sent as emissaries of the king. It's a state visit. It's something that's very important. And so they are literally, they are literally the nation of Israel. They are literally, as the representatives of the king, uh, the nation of Israel, if you will. So Beginning in 2 Samuel 10, verse 1, it came to pass after this that the king of the sons of Ammon died and Hanun his son reigned in his stead. David said, I'll show kindness to Hanun the son of Nachash, just as his father showed me kindness. And David sent to comfort him. Now that word comfort is, is the same word from which comes the word Covenant. So apparently, at this time, David sees that it's strategically important 
And it's an act that uh, would benefit both parties. So he sends these emissaries and they're more like ambassadors than anything else. And so the word comfort, what it means, and if you want to expand the translation completely, he means, he means to ease the feelings of the new king by entering into some kind of alliance. Maybe it was a trade agreement. Maybe it was a military. I don't, doesn't say. But he says, I'm going to show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. All right, let's stop there. We would have to go back several, as we go back first Samuel. Saul, King Saul, was the enemy of the Ammonites. He warred with them. He kept them mostly in subjection, and Nahash was his enemy. However, it was during the time that Saul was seeking to kill David. David was a fugitive. He was in exile. And Nachash apparently showed kindness to David and gave him some degree of protection against the, uh, the, the ventures of King Saul. So that brings us up to date as to why David wants to set the, the son's mind at ease. David is a new king, and he is not the enemy of the Ammonites the way Saul, the previous king, was. And he wants to make that clear, and he wants to bring comfort uh, to Nahash's son. And the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanun their lord, Do you think that David honors your father that he sent you comforters? Is it not in order to investigate the city and to spy it out and to search it that David has sent his servants to you? The counselors of the king say to the king, we should not trust King David. He's wanting to take over our land just like he's defeated these other kings all around. And so he's, these guys are not really emissaries. They're spies. They're trying to get an idea of what kind of city this is and what kind of power there is in the capital city and what it might take to come against us. So this is their counsel. And Hanun took David's servants. He shaved off half of their beards and he cut off their garments in half up to their buttocks. I've always wanted to say that from the pulpit. And he sent them away. Now, when we get to 1 Chronicles in just a minute, you're going to see that <laughs> the writer of 1 Chronicles tells us that these, these garments were cut up to the growing. So what that means is the whole part from here down was cut off. They, they made them naked from the waist down, shaved off half their beards and laughed at them. So... This was the height of humiliation. I told you earlier, these men were essentially Israel, the kingdom of Israel. They essentially were King David. They would have carried papers. They would have carried seals. They would have carried whatever documentation was necessary to prove that they were there in behalf of the king and that what they were presenting is exactly what the king would present had he been there in person. 
So this is the nation and this is the king. And they have insulted and humiliated the king and the nation, which in that culture in that day is, is paramount to a declaration of war. These men, now this was a great shame to have half their beards shaved off. <laughs> and I guess have their britches took off too. But they, were, they didn't even want to go back. They were so ashamed. And they told it to David and he sent to meet them. For the men were very much ashamed. And the king said, remain seated in Jericho until your beards grow and then you shall return. I'm assuming they would have already bought new clothes. So stay here until you're like you should be, that you can present yourself in dignity as a man as it was, as it was in that culture. But cutting off the lower portion of their garments, of course, was, was extreme humiliation. But that lower portion of their garments, and you get this out of the book of Exodus, which we've studied, and I, we've, we've all committed that to memory, tassels on the lower part of the men's garments were proof that they were Israelites. So this, this, this takes away their national dignity, their dignity as men. It takes away the dignity of the king. It, uh, it takes away the dignity of Israel. And these are God's people and they are Israel because of Yahweh. King David was known throughout these lands as as an extraordinarily uh, faithful worshiper of Yahweh. And it would have been well known that he sought his God before he did anything. So you can see the great humiliation that it was against the nation of Israel, against the God of Israel, and against the king whom God favored. Stay here until your beards grow and then I want you to come back. That's what he says. And the children of Ammon saw that they had become odious to David. In other words, they stunk to David. And the children of Ammon sent and hired of the Arameans Aram. Aram was a son of Shem. Shem was a son of Noah. Aram was the father of the Arameans. And the Arameans populated pretty much the same boundaries exist today that existed back then. The land that was called Aram. It's Syria today. It's called Syria. But these, are, these people are the descendants of the, of the Arameans. And so here we go. Ammon hired of the Arameans of Beth Rehob and the Arameans of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, I misspelled foot, and of the king of Maacha, a thousand men, and of Ishtof, 12,000 men. So he, he hired, he, he, he didn't have the army to fight David. So he goes and he hires these Arameans. Um, now, Ammon, the Ammonites, and the Moabites were descendants of Lot. They were, in a crazy kind of way, related to Israel. 
but also despised by Israel because of the way they came into existence. The Moabites and the matter of fact, now they're the, today they are the Jordanians. So here's what you have. You have, the, if you want to talk in modern terms, you have the Jordanians and Ammon is the capital of Jordan. You have the, the Jordanians who were Ammonites and of course Moabites. And then you have the Syrians, the Aramaeans. All right, so David heard of what was happening and he sent Joab, Joab was the commander of his armies and the entire host of the mighty warriors. Now the mighty warriors were a company of the world's best fighters and there were several hundred of them. So David says, I want you to take these mighty warriors and go take care of this. The children of Ammon came out and they prepared the battle at the entrance of the gate and the Arameans of Zobah and Rehob and Estov and Meacha were by themselves in the field. Now go back up here and see how many thousands there are and then go back down here and catch on to mighty warriors and you will know that the company of mighty warriors did not, did not number as many, nearly as many as what they were told to go and fight against. The children of Ammon came out and they prepared the battle at the entrance of the gate. And the Aramans of Zabar, Rehob, and Eshtof, and Ma'acha were by themselves. So they came alone. Here comes Joab and the mighty warriors. Now here's the, here's the account from 1 Chronicles 19. It came to pass after this that Nachash, the king of Ammon, died and his son reigned in his stead. And David said, I shall show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nachash, because his father showed me kindness. David sent emissaries to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came to the land of the children of Ammon to Hanun to comfort him. And the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanun, do you think that David honors your father because he sent you comforters? Is it not in order to investigate and to search and to spy out the land that his servants have come to you? And Hanun took David's servants. He shaved them, cut their garments in half up to their growing. So this part tells us he didn't just cut the backside. He cut the front side as well. In other words, the whole garment all the way down. And he sent them away. And they went and told David about the men. And he sent people to meet them for the men were very much ashamed. And the king said, Remain in Jericho until your beards grow, and then you shall return. And the children of Ammon saw that they had become odious to David, and Hanun and the children of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and riders from Aram Naharaim and from Aram Acha and from Zobah. And they hired for themselves 32,000 chariots and the king of Meacha and his people. And they came and encamped before Medeba. And the children of Ammon gathered from their cities and came to war. David heard of it. He sent Joab and the entire host of the mighty warriors. And the sons of Ammon came out. And they prepared the battle at the entrance of the city. And the kings who had come were by themselves in the field. So these guys think that they have a pretty good plan. They have numbers on their side and, and uh, they have come to do battle. They heard that David uh, was irritated because of what had happened. So they just went ahead and followed in uh, with the rest of, uh, of declaring war for really no reason. 
um, other than bad counsel from those princes who surrounded the king. So here comes everything is set for battle. The name of Yahweh, the dignity of Yahweh and his king and the dignity of his people whom we have read in Leviticus are a separated people and they were trying their best to obey all that stuff in their day. They had a, they had a, David had set up a likeness of the tabernacle. So they were, they were still seeking to worship God in the best way that they could in that day. These were God's people in a day where they were about as good up to this point as they had been. They were prosperous. They were well taken care of by the king and no one could challenge their army. So here comes, here come these really foolish people, the Ammonites and the Arameans. One would be to the south and the other would be to the north. So David's forces, of course, win the war. Back to 2 Samuel 10. Joab saw that the battle front was before him and behind him. In other words, they were trying to move in a pincer movement to squeeze David's forces in between two fronts, one in front of and one in behind him. And he chose all of the choice men of Israel and he sent them against the Arameans. Now that's because those were the guys who were hired and there were so many of them. He said, you know, we better, we better go after these guys first. And the rest of the people he gave over to Abishai, his brother, and he set them against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Arameans will be too strong for me, then you come help me. If the sons of Ammon, if the sons of Ammon will be too strong for you, then I'll come help you. So they have a battle plan. He has the forces separated and they're ready to go. Be strong and let us strengthen ourselves on behalf of our people, behalf of the cities of our God, Elohim, our God, and then may God do what is good in his eyes. So they give the whole thing over to God. And Joab and the people that were with him drew forward to do battle against the Arameans and they fled before him. <laughs> you know, half of, half of having a fight with somebody is to show up, right? Well, these guys, the, their hearts for war, and Yahweh can do this. He does it on many occasions. Their hearts for war had, uh, had melted. When the sons of Ammon saw that the Arameans had fled, then they likewise fled from before Abishai and they came to the city and Joab returned from the sons of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. And the Arameans saw that they were smitten before Israel and they gathered themselves together. And Hadadazir, whoops, sent and brought out the Arameans that were from beyond the river and they came to Chelam and Shabach, the captain of the host of Hadadezer before them. And it was told to David and he gathered together all of Israel and he crossed the Jordan. He came to Helam and the Arameans set themselves against David and fought with him. So now David brings the rest of his troops and David 
himself leads the battle because it was such an insult to the king and to his people. And the Arameans fled before Israel and David slew of the Arameans 700 chariots and that's men of men of chariots, charioteers and their horses and 40,000 horsemen and Shabach, the captain of his host, he smote and he died there. He killed him. And all the kings, the servants of Hadadazir saw that they were smitten before Israel and they made peace with Israel and served them. And the Arameans feared to aid the sons of Ammon anymore. Now here's first Chronicles account of all that. Job saw that the battlefront was before him and behind him, and he chose of all the choice men of Israel, and he put them in array against the Arameans, and the rest of the people he gave into the hands of Abishai, his brother, and they put themselves in array against the sons of Ammon. And he said, if the Arameans will be too strong for me, then you shall come help me. If the sons of Ammon are too strong for you, then I shall come and help you. I did that twice. Okay. And the Arameans saw that they were smitten before Israel. They sent emissaries and brought out the Arameans who were on the other side of the river. And Shofach, the general of the army of Hadarizir, was before them. Hadarizir, yeah. And it was told to David and he gathered together all of Israel. He crossed the Jordan, came to them and set himself against them. And David set himself in battle array against the Arameans and they fought with him. And the Arameans fled from before Israel, and David slew of the Arameans the men of 7,000 chariots, 7,000, and 40,000 foot soldiers. And he put Shofach, the general, to death. And the servants of Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, and they made peace with David and served him. And Aram no longer wished to aid the children of Ammon. <laughs> Took the fight right out of him. That's pretty good. Well, There is, a, uh, there is a strategic blessing in all of this. David wanted to be kind to these people. He had, no, he, had, he, had, he had no desire at all to go to war with them because the king who had just died had shown kindness to him. This was not in David's plan, but Yahweh... through his sovereign purpose and will oversees a situation where a young king surrounded by unwise counselors made very foolish decisions. It may have seemed cool and funny to do what they did to the emissaries of the king, but they will learn a lesson they I won't ever forget. You don't what was that song say so you don't spit in the wind and you don't tug on Superman's cape and you don't mess with Yahweh. And that is far and above all the others. So emboldened and strengthened, and now what happens? Now the people all around recognize the fact that there is a dignity and a sanctity about the name of Yahweh, the king of Yahweh, and the people of Yahweh 
that must not be breached. And so the position of David and the Israelites is strengthened even further. So they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And now, without seeking to have war, he has now subdued both the Ammonites and the Aramaeans. In addition to all of the others, he has already subdued. So he places even more, he places his people in a position of stronger security than where they were before. There's, there's nothing for them to fear. King David is the king and people of the world will understand that their God is God. And in this case, as we've seen, filled with the Filled with the purpose of Yahweh, the people of Yahweh will raise up the name of Yahweh and the people that surround them will understand that Israel is different. The people of God are different. This God is God. And this king is a great king. Now, why is it this way? God, in a time that had previously been unstable for the children of Israel, will protect Israel because they generally and David specifically carry the promise of the Christ. God has a covenant with this people and God will not allow that covenant to be breached. And so this is the great message that the people of God should have for the people of the world, that God is a, a gracious God. He is a good God, but he is especially benevolent to those who are his people. This now establishes David in an even greater way. You see here that uh, the Arameans don't have any desire to serve anybody else anymore. Their only desire is to serve David and to make peace with David and with Israel. So David becomes even greater in his day. And we'll see where that leads uh, in the next few chapters. Uh, all of these are great lessons for the people of God to learn. And we're going to stop here with this one. And we'll have our deacon prayer time.